I want to be free so I can finally breathe. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Tuesday and Thursday, 8 a.m. sharp. Spark you a bow, blunt, or even a carta. Hit the drum roll, sweetheart. Ooh, yeah. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, again. We have Kells. What's up? Good morning, Kells. Jermaine. Where you been, son? Huh? Let's make sure y'all say good morning to the lady at the house while I beat y'all up. <laughs> Ready to get it started. Uh, make sure you say good morning, Mark. Markless bachelor right there, okay? That was the that was the youth man, okay? Nice. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Also, uh, an esteemed member of the of the New Bridge Podcast Network. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Hawaiian We Be Mo. Yeah, got some interesting things we want to talk about this morning. Oh my gosh, how you feeling though? First things first. Oh, oh, it's smoothie time. Grab up all your fruits and even a little vegetables. Yeah. No vegetables today. The people didn't have to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. That's the old Kevin Hart joke. Like, I'm I'm about to go to the trunk and I'm about to pop the trunk on your bitch ass. And you like, to get what? The oil? (laughs) Damn. Whose side are you on? Lady of the house is wild. <laughs> I did think about putting some kale in there, but I didn't know how you feel. So. Nah, I feel all right with the kale. I'll tell you, me and, me and my relationship with vegetables is changing. Don't tell me that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, whoo, whoo. I'll have you in here eating the edamame. I, like, I don't like edamame, though. You don't? What about quinoa? You like quinoa? Uh, I mean, quinoa is not a no vegetable. vegetable. I know. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to get you to eat quinoa. You been, have you been trying to get me to eat quinoa? Did I miss this? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I ain't missed no, quinoa. <laughs> I ain't miss no quinoa cooking sessions. Get out of here. No, no, I didn't cook it because I didn't think you would eat it. Man, I'll fuck some quinoa, like quinoa, man. Anybody say nobody no quinoa, man. I thought you don't like quinoa. Anybody say nobody no quinoa or quinoa, as my friend said one time. <laughs> Anybody think about that girl? Uh, we okay, so we do have some. Um, we do have. Is that Spencer Gopal? Spence. Oh man, it's been such a long time. Welcome to Hawaiian Make We Be Mo. Yeah. This morning we got some interesting things we want to talk about. I don't know why I play. I play the guitar when I <laughs> right. sing, although I don't play not one piece of guitar. Shout out to Kramer though. She gonna teach me. Maybe she won't. Actually, she, I, she ain't. She didn't agree to that. I'm not gonna put that on there. She didn't. <laughs> I ain't asked. She ain't agreed. Nothing. To, just shout out to Kramer because I want to shout out Kramer. Uh, we have some interesting things we we want to talk about this morning. It's not. It's not all just fun and games. Uh, we do. Last night I was able to speak directly to. Dr. Jared Ball, the author of the myth and propaganda of back black, excuse me, the myth and propaganda of black buying power, was able to speak with him last night. Had some direct questions. Uh, had to, to to face some fallacies last night. Face some fallacies last night. Interesting conversations. Want to bring that out. Also, yesterday, Vox put out a put out a uh, 
an article as we're talking about the generation of black wealth, and I don't mean the age of black wealth, I mean the creation of black wealth. As we're talking about the generation of black wealth, uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, synonymous conversations happening. It's interesting yesterday that uh, Vox put out an article uh, about the, I guess, the myth or the disappearance or the mystique or like the... Oh, I, the article was here. We're going to talk about it in a second. But they're talking about how the black middle class really doesn't exist in the same way that we think about the middle class in the in the classic uh, economic structure of American of American society. So we want to talk about that. And then I had, I had some Thursday thoughts. And I know you got some Thursday thoughts. You got any Thursday thoughts? Maybe. Here's a Thursday thought for you. Just, and I don't, I'm just, I'm bringing this up just, just to make you think about it. When's the last time a black American played a British person? <laughs> and I say that because, and you know, we, we kind of had the conversation a few months ago on Wake Me, Will You Be Mo? Yeah. We kind of had this conversation a couple months ago uh, as it pertains to uh, black British actors uh, securing American roles, right? Um, but Truly, think about it. when's the last time that a black American actor played a British person? And I say that because we watched One Night in Miami and Malcolm X was played by a British man. Um, uh, the black, the black Messiah, wait, Judas and the Black Messiah is Lakeith Stanfield playing the Judas character and Fred Hampton is being played by a black British man. The most recent version of Martin Luther King was presented by a black Britishman. So then when I look around and I know, I know one day the story of uh, some of my favorite people is coming, like the story of Huey Newton is coming. The story of Stokely Carmichael is coming. The story of Marcus Garvey, all these stories are going to be told. And I'm just, I'll be intrigued to see who will be playing these characters. Cause I think it would I would be naive to say it would be personally, it's naive of me to say I knew Denzel as Malcolm X before I knew Malcolm X as Malcolm X. You said that's naive to say. I mean it might be it might be naive. I need mean, some people might be more privileged to say that they had the knowledge of Malcolm X before they saw the the uh, the fictional recreation or even read the autobiography of Malcolm X uh, through Alex Haley's perspective. Um, but I knew the character of Denzel Washington playing Malcolm X before I knew who Malcolm X was. And I say that to say I feel like there's power in knowing that the man who played Malcolm X is also, well, Malcolm X before he died, uh, started the Afro-American Unity Center, and I think that's what it's called. So it's good to know that the man who played him is from the same uh, ethical background, ethnic background, excuse me, not ethical, ethnic background, although ethical might be true. Um, so I just, again, I, I, I asked the question to my Wake of Bake or Bebo Nights. Y'all sitting there stunned. The lady of the house sitting there stunned. When's the last time a black American got to play a British person? We get to play Africans. We get to play robots. Shout out to Anthony Mackie on the, on the latest uh, on the latest Netflix movie. When's the last time a black American played a British person? I, I, I'm going to wait while I grind the weed, but that was my Thursday thought. No, no disrespect to my black Brits out there. Love the black Brits. John Boyega, I see you. 
Antonio Thomas, I see you. Uh, what's my man? Uh, oh, what's his name? Um, I know you're talking about. From, from Clean and Slim. Yeah. He might be one of my favorite actors of the time. And Get Out. I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. Is it Dan- I don't know. That Daniel, dude. Daniel Kaluuya. Dan- yeah, Daniel Kaluuya and Coffee. I see you. I mean, I disrespect that man's name. That's not cute. Oh, are there black people? Are there black people playing British people in Bridgerton? Oh wow! I ain't watch it. I ain't watch it. Uh, Lafayette, I knew you was over there watching Bridgerton, son. I ain't know you was over there, man. Well, it's uh, Shonda Rhimes, though. So. It's Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. Mm, again, another question. Okay, I'm glad you brought up Shonda. You got any other Thursday thoughts? Anything from Mystic Alley? Any any <laughs> things over the weekend that you saw? I did. I didn't finish reading the article, but there was. Um, an article to come out that research is being done that says that COVID will have lasting effects on the black community for like the next 15 to 20 years. God damn. Yeah. Right. Right. I thought it was going to say like the next years too. No, nah, this said 15 to 20 years. So I need to do some more shit. research. I don't do that shit. It has to do with the, um, I guess the disparities in the mortality rate between like black people and white people. Like, Okay. Well, yeah. Well, then I believe that shit. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. Um. But you. That's interesting. Um. Okay. So there is there is a current example of some black folks playing. These are black Americans playing some British people, correct? Do they got the full accents and everything, or they were there, or is it a British show with American accents? Somebody tell me, cause I ain't watching. Mm. Good morning, Sam. The current question right now to the people who just joined, Sam, that's you. I don't know why I just isolated you like that. Uh, the question of the morning is, before we get to some other topics, is uh, outside of Bridgerton, uh, when's the last time a black person got to play some British folks? We see it all the time. The other way, you see British folks playing black folks all the time. Fred Hampton, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Uh, the man who brought crack to the neighborhood. Um, yeah. Uh, Idris did sneak up us on. Yeah, I just, mm-hmm. when I was watching The Wire the first time, I didn't know that nigga was British. I thought that nigga was from Baltimore. Not the, man <laughs> crack. the man who who man who started selling crack in the neighborhood first. He British too. Goddamn. Can I get a hero? Even old girl on power. <laughs> She's British. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Power Book 2, excuse me. <laughs> Don't get me started. But but I will not disparage 50 Cent because other than 50 Cent, who is it? God <laughs> damn. Ooh, it's rough. It's so rough in America. <laughs> it's so rough in America. But I'm glad you brought up Shonda Rhimes. And I'm glad you brought it up because last night, uh, for some of the individuals who caught the show on Tuesday, we began our conversation on uh, Dr. Jared Ball's book of... Uh, Jared Ball's book titled The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. Mm-hmm. Last night through the Let's Talk Bruh book club, I was able to have a conversation with him and 15 other brothers as we discussed some of the theories in his book. And I uh, 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 I want to share some of those things with you. I don't. I mean, you were sitting over here. I don't know if you was. Was you listening? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you was listening? Yeah. 
All right, so just a brief brief recap. We talked about this on Tuesday. I definitely encourage you to go check out the podcast. I'm seeing the stats. Y'all niggas ain't listening to the podcast. That's okay, though, because y'all watching right now. Make sure y'all go check out the podcast if you want to hear the fuel conversation. But on Tuesday, we began our exploration of this destruction of the myth. Let me get my notebook because I got my notes. See, when I was a young boy, I didn't have to, I didn't have to take notes. I was so confused by people in school who had to take notes. And then as I got older and smoked a little, well, a lot more weed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I need a notebook like a motherfucker. I can't remember a goddamn thing. I can't remember some of y'all names. And it's part of your Instagram. Calling that girl Jessica, her name Ashley. God damn it. She ain't never going to watch the show again. <laughs> I don't know where Jessica came from. God damn. <laughs> um... She kind of remind me of Jessica, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway, so on Tuesday, we talked about, we defined the myth, the myth of buying power. Buying power is this this word that was created up in uh, marketing languages to estimate how much the black demographic would be worth if we sell products to those individuals. Uh, damn, Gary just told me it's too late to try to make money off the GameStop, off the GameStop switch. switch. Uh, Matt! Matt, I need you to come over to the crib today so we can figure out how we can get out, how we can capitalize on these stocks, baby. I got, I got twenty seven dollars. I can flip that to three million dollars, right? Come on, son, huh? That's how black folks be with the stock market. I got thirteen fifty. Can I make a thousand dollars a day? Anyway, um, so we talk about buying power. Uh, we, we, we. Doctor Ball says this one point three trillion dollars is one point nine trillion dollars trillion dollars is based up on estimates that Nielsen does and again it is propaganda that is used towards the black community to try to convince us that we could buy our way out of our own lack of liberation because I don't know I don't want to say uh, enslavement because we're not it's not the same thing hmm. um, so we talked about that myth and then I questioned the myth uh, I brought up some facts about Nielsen which I thought was interesting I want to um, is Blackberry today? Okay, they're running it up now. Okay, say less, life. Mm-hmm. Is it 930? No. The shit don't open at 930, right? Mm. They so lazy. Right? 930 to 4? Right. That's so lazy, dog. Get the fuck out of here, man. I'm hustling. I'm hustling 8 to 8. Um, anyway. So we talked about that. I wanted I want to be clear that Dr. Ball's solution is through public policy. He thinks the only way that Black people can attain wealth through this country, which would be through the advocation of public policy, which is reparations, or whether it be uh, listen to the sixteen nineteen project the other day. They were saying that there's some there are agricultural loans that are still based on race in twenty twenty one. Interesting. Uh, people are still being sued for being racist in twenty twenty one, like on a on a on a systemic level. Uh, so to to a large degree. After talking to Dr. Balls last night, uh, Dr. Ball, now he, it's, it's not my own one, but after talking to Dr. Ball last night, I've come up with a couple of conclusions. Okay. I want, I want to clarify that in order for me, my learning style is through dissension. So in order for me to learn something, I feel like I got to poke holes or poke at it until it makes sense to me, right? So I, I finally understand what I'm saying. And and through that, I told him last night after sitting back and actually like recognized my emotions while watching this, it feels like this theory is stripping the autonomy away from black Americans. Mm-hmm. And why do I say that? Uh, Dr. Ball puts, has a beautiful 
binary to help me understand this very simply. He said, most people are optimistic economically and pessimistic politically. He thinks the complete opposite. He is pessimistically economic and optimistically political, which is backwards to me, right? So when I was when I was talking to him, I was like, you know, when I was reading this last night, I'm offended because I feel like as it comes to the black American experience in this capitalistic society, the only choices that we get to make independently seem to be financial choices. So what good does it does it do to present a myth that to actually to destroy a myth that gives us the appearance of financial empowerment? He didn't really have much of an answer to that. To, I mean, if, if, if we're being honest to you, because like it, in his in his perspective, it'd be easier and better to work off a truth within the black community rather than selling the black community that we have this one point three trillion dollars and that somehow through that money we'll be able to buy our salvation. Which I agree with him there. We can't consume our way to wealth the same way we can't save. The same way that if we stop buying Jordans, we'll be wealthy. It's just not. It's just not the way it works. Where I disagree with Dr. Ball, and we talked about this on Tuesday, and we doubled down this, we doubled down on this on Thursday. Dr. Ball says that the creation of wealth can only happen through these terrible, these terrible systems, whether it be violence, whether it be uh, the, the consumption of militaristic takeover of land. In which I told him, I told him the same point that I told y'all on Tuesday. I said it to his face. I said, "So then, what do you say about Tyler Perry? Yeah. What do you say about individuals who started uh, with primary black?" black products that were then sold to white consumers but still have a very black perspective. What do you say about the creation of wealth there? Mm-hmm. He says, for every Tyler Perry, there's a billion broke-ass niggas. And as a broke-ass nigga, I can uh, I can see what that is. Nah, I'm not no broke-ass nigga. Mm-hmm. Y'all see the gold chain, okay? Mm-hmm. It's real. All right, 22 carats. Let me play. <laughs> 19.5 carat gold over here. What's um, up, Jess? What's up? Let's talk, bro. We just talking about y'all. What's up? Um. Um, but you know, but as a not Tyler Perry person, I can see his perspective. So then I asked Dr. Ball. Um. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. One last thing. In, as part of his solution, he says that the problem is being, um, the problem is being promoted through these black institutions, whether it be the black propaganda machine or whether it be the black press. And when I read that in the book, as I was with the original statement, I was offended. I was like, God damn, I'm both. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the black uh, propaganda machine. What's up, Gary? Good morning. <laughs> you feel me? I'm part of the black press. What's up, Lafayette? Good morning. So then I told him, I said, all right, then, all right, I said, all right, then brother. I'm part of both. You know what I'm saying? I ain't no little bitch in either one, so tell us what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Tell us what's the first step. What's the first solution? What should we do? Should I turn around to my advertisers and say, you know what? That $1.9 trillion y'all think y'all trying to capture actually is like $800 bill, Or actually it's like $47. You still want to uh, throw some ads over the Shea Moisture? What? Am I supposed to say that? Right. As part of the black press, am I supposed to, am I supposed to destroy this myth without replacing this myth and thus strip the economic uh, empowerment and agency that black folks feel like they have? Now, the heartbreaking part is, and this is, you know, I hate to say it to you. Maybe we should, I ain't even wrote a blunt, but maybe we should, I'll drink a little smoothie to it. The sad part is this, though. Here's the truth of the fact. 
Here's the truth of the matter. Black people made last year about $800 billion. So if we assume that this 1.3 or this 1.9 trillion dollar buying power is accurate, then the spending habits of black people are terrible. Excuse me. That's one thing. Um, Two, the collective spending power or buying power of a collective group does not indicate their wealth, their economic status, or even their status of liberation within this nation. We agree. We agree on those things. What we disagree, though, is, oh, we're not necessarily disagree. I asked Dr. Ball, I said then, so then does Kwanzaa have it wrong? Is cooperative economics all for not? If we put all our money together and it still doesn't equal liberation, then why, then what the fuck? Then why are we buying black businesses? Why are we starting black businesses? Why are we celebrating cooperative economics during Kwanzaa? And he says to me, he says, you know what? Uh, and you got to think about it in two states. There's a revolutionary state in which the big changes already happened, and then there's a survival state that's leading up to the revolutionary state. Oh, lady of the house, tell them what time of smoothie I'm drinking. Uh, it's berries. Was it blackberries, raspberry, strawberry, blueberry, mangoes? I'm a berry ass nigga. Orange juice. Orange juice. And she put some. I know some drugs in here because it's a little chalky. I can, Elderberry and a little ashwagandha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, what was I just saying? Oh, cooperative economics. Oh, so, oh, he said, yeah, think about it in two states. There's a revolutionary state and a survival state. Right now, as a survival, there should be no reason. Black people should be supporting the fuck out of black people. Yeah. No reason we shouldn't do that, but recognize that we could buy our, we could buy our shea butters all day. That, don't, that ain't going to get us no economic freedom. Yeah. So then I saw this article yesterday, right? Um, it's a blackberry-ass day. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this article. Uh, is it on? Did I put it on here? Oh, Lord. It's a picture, so... Here we go. All right, so then... Vox put out this article yesterday. Check this out. And make sure y'all check out the article. Read the article for yourself. Read, my niggas, because liberation don't come without study. Vox put out the article yesterday. It's called The the Mirage of the Black Middle Class. And I found this interesting because it helped me put into context more what what economics freedom truly looks like for black Americans. So, uh, as I roll this blunt, so th- there's this allegory that's in the that's in the article. There's a family that makes 200 bands a year, 200 bands. Now, to the lady of the house and I, 200 bands. We made 200 bands a year. Shit, we I think we'd be all right. I think. <laughs> right. So here's the thing: it's a family. I think it's a family of three or four people. Um, they make 200 thousand dollars a year. They live in New York. The uh uh. The, the lady of the house, uh, no problem, man. Come on, dog. Jeremy, you're doing, Jeremy, you are doing great fucking work, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you flowers in a second. You're doing great fucking work. And anytime that I see these Twitter threads that say black men not doing their work, I buck on them like, bitch, you don't listen to let's talk, bro. But then I realized I called the bitch is part of the problem. So um, the mirage of the black class, family makes $200,000, 400 people, 400, 
four people, $200,000. What happens is they live in New York. She says her top three expenses in the house are uh, rent slash mortgage, student loans, daycare slash family support. Then the article goes on to talk about how um, if black soldiers had received the GI Bill like white soldiers did in World War II, then her grandfather could have bought that house. The house could have been passed down or the wealth from that house could have been passed down so she didn't have to pay rent. So her biggest expense, gone. And she lived in New York. Out of there. At the same time, if her, if her, if the GI Bill was given to her grandfather and her grandfather was able to save money for college for, her, for his son and then so forth and so on, so the generation didn't have to come out of pocket for student loans, boom. Yeah. There's two of the things, right? And then the third one just disappears because my family doesn't need money. Oh, the shirt, uh, Feed the Wolves right here, SBO Art, my man Backpack Mac. Oh, he is your label mate, Marcus Baxter. Uh, Matt, meet Marcus, Marcus, meet Matt. There you go, boom. We're going to have a, we should have a, a yeah. cipher. You know me. I ain't doing no goddamn regular ass meeting. Me should have a jam session. Everybody <laughs> grab an instrument no matter where you, wh- how good you are at it, we're going to do it and we're going to meet each other. Um, but anyway, this this uh, this family spending two hundred thousand dollars. The top three expenses could be easily eradicated by public policy changes that happen after World War II. Mm-hmm. And how two hundred thousand dollars for the white middle class—that's living life. You know what I'm saying? You made two hundred thousand dollars in the white middle class. You don't got no student loans. Uh, you paying property taxes because you don't got no mortgage. That's about—I mean—that's significantly less. So you're doing all of these things. But you got all this residual money left. It does not work the same for the black middle class. To be considered, I think the article makes a statement to be considered the black middle class, you'd have to make three times what white people make. It's crazy. So in order to be part of the black middle class, you're talking about making 600 grand. 600 bands is is the middle of the middle class? God damn. What the fuck? Can I be transparent with y'all real fast? I'll just be transparent with you. I'll be transparent with you. I think after I count my buckets this year, I think I made maybe like 68, 72, somewhere in that range. 72, 75 at the most. Um, right, with perfect credit. They got a 600 bands with perfect credit, and that's middle class. <laughs> Nigga, you should be wealthy. A year? Jesus mm. Christ. I made, I'm... <laughs> That's why I call my ass poor. If I'm making, if 600 bands is the middle class for black folks, <laughs> God damn, I'm making 10% of that? Jesus Christ. We poor, Lord. <laughs> I'm broke as hell. Fuck this little ass chain. Woo. That shit blew my mind. That shit blew my mind. So to think... Think about that. Think about how many black millionaires and hundred thousandaires and billionaires that we had, and recognizing that our the black the black middle class according to American wealth might be our one percent. God damn. Wow. So he's right. He's right. There is no way. And the rock means no way. Let me stop. There is no way. Black people could consume our way into into depleting the the wealth gap. 
now, as I said on Tuesday, how we define wealth, I think, is uh, is a more spirited conversation for uh, for our community because if six hundred bands is the is American middle class, I don't. I mean, not to say like you know, not to say like I ain't gonna make it, but God damn, God damn, son. Ooh, do I? Okay. You don't got to say so. But if you don't answer, I'm assume you do. Do I know anybody on here who's making 600 grand or more? Do I know any more? Do I know any 600 grand or more? And I'm looking at one person. Um I don't know, Matt. It don't make sense. This is what the Vo- this is what the Vox article is telling us. The Vox article is telling us that the debt to b- the debt for black people who are reaching this middle class number is so high they can't experience the middle class. By the time they get past their debt, um. Oh, see, we talked about it on Tuesday saying we talked about how we define wealth, and that was one of my issues. With, that's one of my issues with Doctor Ball. If we're trying to define if we're trying to define black wealth with white words and a race that was started 450 years before we could even be at the race. Hmm. You saying that just reminded me of the video. What's that? With the hundred dollar bill. Don't get me started on this hundred dollar race. <laughs> Why you bring that hundred dollar race shit? Oh my God. And they still ran the goddamn they still race. Ran the race. Um, so yeah, that was, I mean, and I wanted to come on here and tell the wake and bake will be more nice that we had the transparent conversation. We asked the questions and one of the, one of the powerful things that Dr. Ball said last night, he said, you know what? You don't have to be a socialist. You could be, you could be a capitalist, but this theory still remains true. Oh, I didn't, I didn't tell you what the answer to the question was. So I asked him, I said, as a member of the black propaganda machine, as a member of the black press, um, uh, what are some solutions that I can do to help, uh, you know, uh, alleviate or eliminate this problem? Am I supposed to turn to my advertisers and say we need less money? He was like, no, nigga. <laughs> you tell them we worth twenty billion, twenty trillion dollars, but then you can't tell, you can't turn around and tell and sell those same lies to the black community. Like we, he heard a commercial the other day saying uh, something to the effect. That you know, um, they started off with the stat that the buying power of the black community is one point nine trillion dollars, and then the commercial went on to say you too can be part of that one point nine trillion dollars if you start a business business today. And it was an advertisement for an incubator company who was sparking black LLCs. I don't even think they were black, but he used that as an example of like how capitalism is terrible in this in in this existence. And then I had to admit a bias last night. I didn't even think about this. You know, I currently. I currently work for four. I currently work for and exclusively for four all black companies. Mm-hmm. Mine, Creative Theory, The Bridge, Small Wind Box. Mm-hmm. Four all black companies. So then I can. I, I have a hard time looking around and being like, oh, black capitalism doesn't work. I have a hard time saying that because the blunt we get ready to smoke was sponsored by black capitalism. The camera that I'm looking you at was sponsored by black capitalism. 
the couch that we on was sponsored by PPP loans. Okay. That's all I'm saying. You got any thoughts later in the house? What you got over there while I roll this blunt? I'm just thinking about uh, if there's no way that we can really catch up, what is it that we're supposed to, like, how do, <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great question. If there's no way that we can catch well, then Dr. Ball says this is why I, I agree with him to a sense. Uh, um, I think, well, there are things that we can do before, uh, there are things that we can do before the Revolutionary Act comes. So there are survival tactics that we have now, which I think is exact, which is what I think pragmatic nationalism is. Um, that's raw. No, that's raw, baby. <laughs> Come on, dog. Although we did have those, uh, black and, what, I don't know if it was black and, those papers, the... Mr. Mr. Smoke. Oh, we did have some. Um, yeah, and he's he's brown. Okay. Mr. <laughs> Smoke. Uh, Mr. Smoke up. Yeah. But you're right though. <laughs> As the, the wee black. So what's up? <laughs> <laughs> what's up? <laughs> they got black lighters. Huh? Lighter actually is like black. The black is actually yeah. It is. It is. It is black. I mean, <laughs> it is black. Um. Yeah, business is a cap is apparatus of capitalism, but not capitalism itself. Exactly. So yeah. then, this this infomotion of trying to of trying to sell this one point nine trillion dollars as if we have access to it in some type of a bank or whatever, it was it, it's ridiculous. So I agree. the 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 interpretation of that number is critical to how we internalize the position of finances within our own liberation. Um. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, this is black weed. <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we're working on the papers. I know Bird got some papers, but me and Bird got beef. But who don't got beef with Bird? So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I maybe I'll get some Bird papers. <laughs> and if you can show me to a, uh, if you can show me to a, uh, to a black lighter company, hell yeah. I know strippers that sell lighters, but that's about it. What? And I ain't feel comfortable with a whole bunch of ladies butt naked on lighters. I'm sitting here with a lady in the house. Like, come on, y'all. Y'all, y'all want me to get left. Huh? <laughs> huh? Anyway, um, we were talking about, oh, you asked the question was, if we can't keep up, if it's, if it's, if, if, what are we supposed to be doing? I think we got. I think we got to keep doing what we're doing, and that's why I think. Go ahead. If we're like redefining wealth, right? Does that mean we should keep creating? Yeah. And building. I think the. I think the number maybe the number and quality of wealth might be different for what black people is. Lafayette, I told you a story about you on Tuesday. I consider I consider Lafayette be one of the most Wealthy people I know. Yeah. Um, Lafayette walks into the walks into the informer and all the black pe- all the old black people in the informer treat him like a prince. Mm-hmm. This is one of the oldest, most prestigious black uh, black institutions, black journalistic institutions on the planet. To me, that's wealth. That nigga gonna inherit that. Um. Now, what's sad though is I listened to the sixteen nineteen project and I'm talking about like. As I'm talking about, um, 
Come on, blood. What we got going on here? A little stuffy. What's going on this morning? I listened to the sixteen nineteen project yesterday, and I was listening to the story about this about the sugarcane farmer who inherited his his father's land after he died. Uh, right before his father died, he had a relationship with a with a different bank. It was going good. They were like in the uh, in the state fair. They were like top twenty sugarcane growers in the state. Mm. His son was number one for everybody under hundred k. His father was number seventeen for everybody over hundred k acres. Father's die. Father dies. The relationship with that bank crumbles, so he has to go to a new bank. At this new bank, they are forging his signature on. They're forging his signature on altered documents. Wow. So in order for him to run his farm every year, he needs a two million dollar loan, which is very, which is normal practice for every farm. He needs a two million dollar loan from the USDA that goes throughout. These personal banks. If you did the, if you if you work with government money before, you know that the money may exist within the government, but it's filtered through these private banks or local institutions or local grantors or whatever, right? So he goes to this new bank. The new bank is not only like treating him weirdly, but then he finds out years later that they've been altering his loan applications for instead of two million dollars, they've been putting them down for five hundred thousand. And they've been post-dating his application. So, like, if farming, timing is everything. Yeah. So, whereas most farmers are getting their loans, let's say, in March, he's getting his loan, like, in July. Damn. And what this does, and eventually, after, like, seven years, because this is the only institution that's providing seven. that, after seven years of this happening, he ends up losing all his land, losing yeah, his house, yeah. losing everything. And this is one of the best farmers in the state. And what they do to him and this is this is also in the Vox. Uh, this is also in the Vox article. Is that every time uh, black people enter positively into the capitalistic state, even when it seems to be independent, it can be snatched away from us so quickly. Right. The biggest, uh, uh, the people who felt the most impact from the housing crisis of two thousand eight was black people. Of course. Half. Not three, five, ten, twenty percent. Half of black owners lost their homes. Yeah. God damn. Woo. Yeah, so I see it. But at the same time, I guess where we where I depart with Dr. Ball is I'm not waiting on no government to do shit. And I, I mean, I can, I can show up at the judge with, with, with my, with my picket sign, but apparently that shit don't work. Niggas still got the filibuster. I think about that shit all the time. The filibuster was created in the Jim Crow era, and I ain't talking about 1960. I'm talking about 1910, <laughs> 1925. Motherfucking filibuster was, excuse me, was created. And that shit's still here. That's a hundred years old. Although it does give me joy, I did see. Actually, I don't know. I saw. Did I see the executive order for it? Uh, your man Jose Biden. He uh, did he? Oh man, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But I think one of his executive orders was to create a committee to study reparations, which is a interest. Which is a great first step. 
also within those, and we meant, I meant to talk about this the other day. If you aren't if you aren't listening to or haven't read the 1619 project, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and say, uh, well, I'm not gonna say it. Do it. Listen to the listen to the podcast. Read the read the pages. Read the story. See how Black history is happening now. Uh, it won't be new to you. It's very much like reading Between the World and Me. It's wonderfully and beautifully written, but it's not a surprise tale. You know what I mean? It's not something with a twist ending. What we got? What we got here? Um, Q says, "Therefore, black kiss, black capitalism is a paradox, and black capitalists doubly so. Maybe uh, more of an ill-advised aspiration." Well, I'm ill-advised because we're gonna sell these products. I don't know about you. Uh, we're gonna sell these products. Now, uh, to my product creators, y'all go ahead. Y'all be, y'all go ahead. Uh, don't be capitalist. Be socialist. Get your shit away. Yeah, go ahead. Mm. Uh, I don't think Dr. Ball, Jeremy corrects me. I don't think Dr. Ball is saying, wait on the government. He's just saying political organization movement building is the way. The same thing folks are doing with defund the police, that's policy demand. I agree. I agree. And I bring up the last night, one of the examples, he, when we talk about policy change, it's not like it's going to be a new law that says socialism now. It's a, it's a law that looks very much like the GI Bill. GI Bill was policy. Yeah. And, we, and it explains in that, in that article I shared the, uh, uh, the destructive nature of not being able to access the GI Bill in the 1950s, what that has done for generations of black wealth. I think he said it last night, or I don't know. I've been reading so much of Black Wealth. He says, "Well, you look at the the financial history between Black people and Jewish people in the country, in the country, where we separate this after the GI Bill, and that's not on accident." So does that? Interesting. Great thought. Great thought. And as we, uh, uh. As we move into our black political spaces, again, I remind you of our black, our black party. If you're looking for a solution, I feel like that's a direct solution created by a, a, a black woman right here in Hyattsville. I think they have the right approach. Right now, they're looking for state directors and and, and, and people who you know want to participate in this in this party in a in a, in a very formal way. Uh, so, if you want to, you know what I'm saying, if you want to check out our black political party, go ahead and do that. I like the perspective of trying to collect as many black voices, even if they're dissenting into into one entity, and then allowing and then having that entity speak for on an amplified uh, value the 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 agenda points of Black America uh, and how we determine that. I think would be very interesting. So, if you're looking for actionable steps for a political organization, I agree. This is where this is where me and Dr. Ball end up at the church at the same time. We got there by taking he took Fifth Avenue, I took North Capitol. Either way, we got to the church. Um, I believe that political organization is absolutely necessary. And if you brought this, if this argument was was brought up in front of a black Congress, I think it'd be it'd be interesting to see what tenets we could take from it, how we could study it, and how we can move forward. Because it's just it's just one perspective. And again, who am I to tell you? Or who is anybody to tell you how you should be black? 
or how you should try to survive or how you should try to seek liberation in a way um, that has worked for you. I feel like right and wrong is white man's words. Hawaii me will be more, yeah. Um, I do want to, while I got uh, a good number of y'all here, I want to remind you that your boy has been nominated for a whammy. Okay, make sure y'all go over to whammysdc.org, Educator of the Year, um, for the work that I do with the musicianship over the summertime, teaching some kids in music business, but at the same time, some of the work that we do here right here on Wake Up Bake with Be More. I consider this to be an educational program, honestly. If the news is educational, nigga, we educational too, except I just say nigga and smoke a blunt, okay? Damn. So make sure y'all check it out, whammysdc.org. It is a process to vote, so just be prepared for that for that process, my man the other day talking about some. He had to create a password and an account to click one button. He said it was tantamount to red lighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he said tantamount to gerrymandering. Um, I got that from you, Q. Uh, uh, right and wrong is the white man's words. You ain't say the white man because you don't say things like the white man. I say things like the white man because it reminds me of a different type of military. Military militantism. You know what I mean. You knew what I meant too. Um, he said he said he had to do all that to to click one button. Tantamount to gerrymandering. Just wanna I wanna put that on uh Jess who is as part of the part of the, the Whammy's organization. Just wanna put that on your put that on your sticky note, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, though. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely hilarious. You know, tomorrow's hilarious, man. Um, what, what's the time right now? We at the forty-five. You got any burning questions for our very long roach? Uh. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, I feel like we had a good week. Let's review some of the content we got over here. We've had our oh yeah, our Paul Robeson Negro of the Week Award winner. <laughs> Next week. We'll get to that next week. You got plenty of... Um... Yeah. <laughs> She's still going to be the poor lawyer. Hmm? She's still going to be the poor lawyer. She's still so. going to be the poor lawyer. That's right. right. That's right. We had our... Uh... Oh, there was a... Uh... Anything else? What else is on your mind? Y'all see... Uh... Oh, what else we had? We had... You got a product drop? Not yet. Okay. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh... Uh, oh, oh! Since Joe Biden is in office, uh, it's time to bring this I need my stimulus check. Yeah. Uh, I need my stimulus check. Yeah. Like, mm, I need my stimulus check. Yeah. What? I need my. I- what you got? Come on, let it out. Let saw, that thing ring. I saw an article that said they're offering fourteen hundred dollars stimulus checks in exchange for getting the vaccine. <laughs> Would you take that? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no. Actually, the vaccine is not, that's not how the vaccine is going to work for me. If you have to bribe me, I'm going right. to be like, mm, right. Right. <laughs> mm, mm, I don't know, man. 
I don't know. The the pro see the problem is, the the problem is, it doesn't feel like as a nation we are very goal oriented. <laughs> goal oriented. Very short sighted. Very short sighted because we free or whatever. Because <laughs> we could do whatever the fuck we want to do. We need instant gratification. So. <laughs> Goddamn millennial. Oh, it was funny. I had to take a, I had to take a COVID test the other day, and they gave me an option to. Uh, do like the test that you get like it takes like five six business days to get your results <laughs> or the instant test and I was like I was like I'm a millennial <laughs> I want that shit now was there like an extra charge or anything no so why would that be an Nigga. option no <laughs> no he says it's still gonna take an hour I was like an hour <laughs> you so stick it in the tube and it don't turn a color that's not how it works <laughs> blue you good Women can figure out they pregnant within a piss in 30 minutes, <laughs> but it don't take you an hour. 30 to... minutes, sweetheart. Yeah. It takes two minutes. It takes two minutes yeah. to figure out if you pregnant on a little stick? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. It should be that quick, though. Uh -huh. It should be that quick. You should be able to put it in the yeah. juice, shake it up. No, you good, bro. Yeah. Go on. I right, appreciate you. Is this reacting to the culture like <laughs> solution or not like, yeah. what are we doing what right. are we, what's it got a steep for right. <laughs> what's it got a simmer in the juice for what you doing to my nose juice back there <laughs> give me my shit back when you done too mm -mm. the fuck out of here <laughs> oh, the government doing with my nose juice walking around there's a whole nother BMO walking around there like what's up <laughs> where you make with other BMO no <laughs> like what nigga a B no <laughs> get the fuck out of here C less that's just gonna be his name C less this nigga's gonna be a fucking villain you want that shit wait what what's the question you delay fifteen dollars an hour salaries until twenty twenty five. God damn! I ain't read it. I guess I gotta see what Joe. I, I guess with Joe Biden, you gotta read the fine print. Is that what it is? Because <laughs> the headline was fifteen per. God damn! He ain't gonna be alive in twenty twenty five. Talk about. God damn! He's not gonna be. He's not gonna be alive. Has it been ten days? Has it? No. No, it's only been like eight. You know, I got a theory. Don't you can't don't that's say that. Theory. Don't say that. That's I mean, my I theory. Got a theory of my own. That's my theory of natural causes, though. Well, I'll say this: when when Bernie Sanders was looking like he was going to be the nominee for that quick three minutes, I thought um, my theory was Bernie Sanders would be the president for he would nominate. Uh, Kamala Harris is the vice president, yeah. right? And my theory was Bernie Sanders would naturally die within the office within 10 days, and that would bring the country together in a sense. Like, when's the last time, this is going to sound fucked up, but when's the last time we had like a, 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 a huge unifying political death? When's the last time, huh? I mean, when JFK and then Lyndon B. Johnson came, and then we got the Civil Rights Act in 1964. So, like, you know. Is that a bad thought? Is that the same thing as Michael Mick said, the chickens coming home to roost? <laughs> am, I, am I on a line? Huh? Lord. Lord of mercy. Don't expect this live to be cut off here shortly. <laughs> oh. Mr. Brown. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> 
Uh, you asked me no burning question for the roast, though. I did. What was the question? You said, what else, you said what else you want to talk about? Uh, I, I thought I had a question. <clears throat> well, what was the last thing we talked about? Uh, basketball and what else? We talked about some of the things that happened over the week. I had a question, too. I What's can't that? remember it. For Dr. Ball? I think so. Yeah, I can't remember it. Mm. Mm. We got to watch... Uh, I keep meaning to do so, but I got to watch uh, American Skin. A lot of people have asked me there. A lot of people have asked me for their thoughts on the new... Uh, What's that nigga name? Nate Parker project. Mm. Sorry, yeah, I gotta do that. No, I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. We might do that. We might do that later this afternoon. Got big team day tomorrow. Everybody's been, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's been swabbed up, okay? Everybody's nose been tickled. Look like everybody don't got the wrong. We're gonna be masked up. We're gonna have activities. I think, not I think, this is my first office party, per se. If you don't count the 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 party in January. I, ain't had, I haven't had a, a a team day in like four or five years. A team day that I wanted to go to in like 10. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's like the first day of school. What should I wear? Should I go to the barbershop? Should I should I untwist my twist my hair and give 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 them the curls? What do you think? How would you show up? Should I should I do? I used to love how a little black girl showed up to church, looking all greasy, all all their hair all pulled back, <clears throat> with the little things in their hair. Yeah, I'm in church. What? <laughs> little black girls, y'all was so cute. <laughs> your little dresses, and your frilly socks, <laughs> and your proud mothers. Oh my goodness. What's up? You know, so just remember that like. Getting my hair done, being in the beauty salon. It's dark, late at night. Been there for hours. It's hot. A hot comb and the curling iron. And I got the candy curls, and I didn't want this, but my mom made me get it because, you know, I'm like five, six. I don't get it. You know, I don't have a choice. So, yeah. But, but from my perspective, y'all look so happy at church. You might not have been happy the night before, oh, yeah, no. but you looked happy at church. <laughs> God bless black women, man. God bless y'all. <laughs> and the girls that didn't want to wear the dresses, they just <laughs> walk into church looking. <laughs> What's wrong with you, KJ? I don't want to wear this dress. <laughs> it's just stupid. You still ain't asking no burning question, though. The people are waiting. I don't know. Um... Come and get your love. <laughs> what a difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up? 
this true love can provide. Okay, so you know how we're solution based. Yeah, yeah. Uh, solution based. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What exactly do you think you should do to? I guess on a journey to. Journey to wealth, to black wealth, <coughs> as a collective. Not too specific. Well, one black wealth, black wealth is different. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to stop defining. I think there is a there is a conversation about defining wealth, uh, within white terms, or within oppressive terms. Yeah. Right. Um, because if if wealth is a game that was played using us, um, then why would we then want, is the goal then to be the users? So that's mm-hmm. a question. It's, it's almost, it's in the same, it's the same energy of like, if there are no, if there were no Oscars, would we still have a black Oscars? Right. Right. Yeah. If there was no democracy, would black people still create a democracy? Right. Um, so it's very much in that in that same energy. I um, ask me to get a question again. What uh, should what's the what yeah. solution bake? So what should we be doing uh, <clears throat> to, I guess, increase our black wealth or you know oh, yeah, sustain so the, it, yes, maintain right. all that? Yeah. Question starts with the definition of wealth and the illumination of what black wealth is. So if we are going to, and I'm not demonizing that game, but if we are going to play the game of capitalism. Um, then I think we have to give ourselves some grace and recognize that we are new entrants into this game of capitalism. If we're going to play that game, right. uh, I'm not going to get into conversations whether you want to be a capitalist or a socialist or a creationist or a humanist or a Baptist or whatever the fuck you want to be. Um, but at the end of the day, if we're going, if we're going to play the games that are defined by a game that didn't include us, mm-hmm. then we are new entrants to that game. If we don't want to be part of that game, then we have to recognize that our wealth in the energy of the world, and energy of the word, not the definition of the word, but our wealth, our wealth, our value could be quantified by other measures that make us equally successful within black society and American society. The other day I said we are part of the creative we are part of the creative class. Uh, it used to be the manufacturing class and the labor class, but I feel like we're still part of this creative class. If we're able to capture more of the ownership of our creativity, um, in the energy of Sam Cooke, when these white boys come through and sing our songs and have our lyrics, and we wrote the songs or we produce the songs and we distribute the songs, and it sounds like us. I don't see what's wrong with that at all. I mean, we are Americans at the end of the day. Uh, and I brought up I brought up Tyler Perry yesterday as my anomaly to how wealth is created, knowing that although Tyler Perry creates content for black people, it does have a very big white audience. Mm. That doesn't mean that Tyler Perry is for white people. Right. Um, and his career didn't even start out that way. No. Um... You know me. I'm a believer. I'm a believer in products. I'm a believer in product and services. What do, what can you sell? <clears throat> but that doesn't have to necessarily be the outcome and the equality for everybody else. But I think we have to before we can even uh, uh, begin to build black wealth. We have to define black wealth. Uh, 
So after we define black wealth, I think there are practices that we can do within the American structure to help. I don't know if it'll be on a collective scale, but I think there are things that we could do on a local, commutative, or even issue-based scale to help grow the businesses that are in existence. It is true that most black businesses are sole proprietorship or existing of cust- or existing of employees of one. Oh, interesting. Oh, you are adding that one. Uh, so it is interesting that uh, you know um, most black companies do have one employee. And I heard a stat on the Karen Hunter show the other day that said if we went from spending two cents from our every dollar to 10 cents to our every dollar on black products, then these companies would be able to grow and get more employees. That's crazy. And then that makes me think about my privilege that I was talking about earlier. I work for four black companies. Yeah. And it feels, I don't, I don't feel bad for going to doing any work at all. I hate the idea of having a job on a sense of like an existential level, but the work that I do, I love every moment of it. Yeah. Can't say that I felt that way in a, when I worked for majority white institutions. Right. And I know that, and I know that when I talk to other black people and they feel like the others within their institutions. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So if we can just spend eight cents more on products in a scalable way so that we can create more black black pro I mean black employees, yeah. It won't lead us to full liberation. But damn some niggas will want to go to work. To me, that may not be collective power. They may not be political power. But, man, about 40 niggas going to have better days. Right. Which means they're going to be better fathers. Which means they're going to be better mothers. Mm-hmm. Better partners. Seeking hobbies. Better musicians. Better people. Better people. And so be it. I think that's, I think that's the solution until we can get to a point where... There are public policy feels too government stringent. I would advocate for public policy, but I would I would like to say until there are permanent permanent structures that generate exclusive black wealth with protection from catastrophe. That could be through government. Hell, that could be I don't know. That could be some billionaire's big idea right now is to figure out how we can have protected black wealth. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think those are the steps that we need to go. Yeah. I agree. Oh, what a difference these true lovers collide. All right, thank y'all for listening to Who Way You Make Me Be Mo, yeah. <clears throat> if you made it this far, you're a real trooper. I really appreciate y'all listening to the conversation. Make sure you follow us at BMO Brown, B-E-M-O Brown on social media sites. BMOAuthentic.com is where you can find the source material. We'll be moving on and joining with the Bridge Podcast Network here shortly. So, thank you to the OG listeners. This has to be like more than 150 episodes. Yeah. Has to be. Yeah. Because I got, it's like. It's almost been a full year. Yeah, it's in April, it'll be a year. Yeah, it's the end of January. Yeah. It's a whole gestation period that's happening. 
Mm-hmm. Like if Baker Bimo had a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, Baker Bimo is a baby. It's a baby. A nine-month-old baby. Mm. Oh, what? All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Good morning.